0: Morning, morning. All right. morning, morning, where am I supposed to stand man, right here, you know this is difficult for me right, transformed life, we're going to talk about that today in the context of looking at um, the series of the four signs of life. And Mike has appropriately sort of described the first the first math part of that, which is A plus C. And A plus C gives is the pathway to T and S acts. A being authenticity. If I'm authentic, I have the capacity to to say what's really going on and to be how I really am, right? to say what's really in my heart because that drives who and what I really do. And because God is a confident, secure God, he's not rattled by my craziness, by my darkness, by my pessimism, by my doubt. I can come to him and be real. Secondly, we're looking at, Mike, you looked last week at confidence, and confidence is this notion of being able to know that I'm included, to know that I'm part of the set, to know that I'm part of the family, to know, as one of the songs we'll do today, to know that I'm a child of God, to be able to approach the throne with confidence, to be able to Not come to the throne like Barney Fife, right? With knees shaking and oh my God. Or the cowardly lion who has to jump out the window because he can't stand it. But to come as I am, uncostumed, with confidence to receive mercy. To receive rest. to To receive the grace that we need in our time of need. And then today I'm going to talk about transformation. I'm not going to give it away. And then Mark will bring up the end in a strong way as he talks about strength. Um, but before we get into that, I'm going to ask uh, Brett Lee to come forward, and he's going to give us a testimony about the impact of grace in his life, particularly. Moving from, maybe if I can playfully, because I know him from a Barney Fife position, of being afraid of God and being afraid to be who he is and afraid to be honestly what he is, to a guy who's beginning to develop and in a growingly way develop confidence. Brett, would you come up and share with us?
1: I if I held the microphone, it might shake too much, so I decided I better better get this out in front of me and uh, be able to look here and not have to quiver too much that way. Yeah. This is looking about right? Working good? Okay. All right. Um, well, good morning, everyone. And uh, yeah, as JC said, my name is Brett, and uh, I'm going to share the experience I've had with speaking freely. And expressing to God and how that relates to confidence. Uh, to start with, I'd like to share some of my background to help provide a sense of where I was at. Um, the environment in which I grew up in was not uh, conducive to speaking freely or sharing emotions. Uh, that was just not part of how I, how I grew up um, and as to uh, the church side, I grew up uh, very, very regularly attending church. Um, and you better darn near be on your deathbed if you weren't going to go to church around our house. Um, so uh, it was a denomination that was biblical, but rather, but rather rigid. And with that uh, came a sense of needing to please God via my behavior. so I had this image of God that he was at certain times loving and caring, yet also an image of a demanding God. And so my view view of God was muddled, loving on one hand and yet expecting good behavior from me on the other. And that didn't feel good to me. (laughs) Um, I didn't like the thought of not behaving as he desired. And the result was that I related to him in a way that left me feeling disconnected and distant. I didn't fear him, but I wasn't at ease with him or open with him. And that view of God largely stayed with me until recently. Starting about two years ago, that image began to shift with the help and guidance of a friend and mentor, and then further upon coming to Hope one and a half years ago. I so, proun- I so profoundly remember my first Sunday here. I was sitting about there, maybe about where Nancy is, and uh, Mike's message that morning was about hikers ascending a mountain. And that when they got part way up and were resting at a ranger station, they would often contemplate, not continuing further, because it looked so daunting and didn't know if it would be worth it to continue their climb. But also at that station was someone who had been in their shoes, and he talked to them about his experience, and all that continuing the journey had brought to him, and that it was well worth it. And the way Mike conveyed the encouragement that person offered those hikers and the importance of others coming alongside, alongside us, to truly encourage us, to, excuse me, to truly encourage us, and let us know that we don't have to do it alone. And the tears came streaming down my face because I didn't think I could, that I could, or I didn't know how or if I could ever get there to that place of better knowing God and receiving his love. I thought in my mind it could happen, but that is where it was stuck for many years, in my mind with that old image of God, which was a truly scary place to be, so scary and painful that it was hard to ever even hope about what God's love was truly like. But with the gentleness and sincerity of seeing and hearing Mike and God through Mike, I believed it that day, and it, uh, it just sat in my heart like, this is, this is going to be real. And I believed that Mike and others with me in the room that day would indeed come alongside me, and it's been true. In the past year and a half, I've come to, come to a point where my image of God began to shift, and I started hearing new things about relating to God and speaking freely with him and with safe understanding others. It's been a slow and steady process of hearing it multiple times in different ways and settings, in Mike's Sunday messages, in JC's Sunday messages, in Wednesday Bible study, in interactions with others here with me today. What I've experienced is that when I pour it out to God, speak it or write it to Him openly, without reservation, The frustrations, the hurts, the longings, the fears, the doubts, all of it. When I pour it out to him or to others, the awareness grows in my heart of God's gentleness in being with me and receiving it all. All I tell him, yeah. When I pour that out to him, the awareness grows in my heart of God's gentleness in being with me and receiving all that I tell him. And that he does love me oh so very much. Even though I often struggle to fully take that in, it's steadily coming. And its power is so overwhelming and so humbling that by grace it creates a loving thankfulness. And while I'm nowhere near fully grasping it, that mercy causes me to have some idea of how it is that we love because He first loves us. And I, and I have begun to feel truly heard. And when you believe, you're truly heard and truly known. With all my messiness, confusion, and brokenness, all in the mix, I don't think there's many things more powerful or that more result in a sense of being deeply loved and fully accepted as you are. So, as I experience that and trust and believe it more, my confidence increases. My confidence increases that God has me and hears me and sees me. And that confidence carries over to my heart and mind in a more ongoing day to day life way as well. The other remarkable, unexpected aspect is that expressing with God has helped me to know myself better to see and at least somewhat better understand and recognize what's in me. What longings and fears I find hard to face or even realize are there. It's like God is revealing myself to me as I open up to Him. I've prayed for several years that God would help me be the breath He wants me to be. The unique blend of how he created me to be, my goofiness, my weaknesses, doubts and all. And I see speaking freely as part of how that's occurring. And with all of this has come increased peace. And just to be clear, it's by no means constant peace because struggles and fears continue and are certainly present. But I live more at peace with them and I breathe easier. Thank you so much for coming alongside me.
0: Uh, that's it today. We're done. <laughs> Smith, what, what are you going to do? Like, rocked it out. I'm done. Thanks, Brett. We'll see you tomorrow. Awesome. That, because that's real talk, right? That's that's the kind of thing that happens in real life. And that's why we have people come up and give you a real life perspective of what it changed and what the challenge of grace can do if you step into it. So I'm saying that authenticity and confidence are the pathways to transformation and strength. Authenticity having the understanding of knowing who God is and what he knows, who is God. And then what does he know about us? The scriptures tell us he knows down at the cellular level what is going on. He knows at a level you can't really hide. He, lo- he knows at a naked level. You stand before him clattering with your costume on and he doesn't even see the costume, he sees straight through it penetrate. But we also can know that this is a God who comes gently. And so his vision, as I used to draw it, isn't piercing and penetrating, but is warm and compassionate as he sees our frail bones and he sees the shaking or the hiding or the shame sees it and he's not shy and he's not upset so I can come authentically I can be who I am that gives me the confidence then to approach to step in and speak freely but god yo here's the way it goes down this is not going the way I thought it was going to happen and I don't have to duck God's going to say something to me. I can be walking in 1983 at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to repeat what I was saying to him as I was cursing God because of some circumstances me and my wife were in. And I actually went to my bedroom surprised that I was still walking. I, I said to myself, now this is before I understood grace, so think how terrifying it was for me. Before I understood grace, I'm coming to seminary. Things aren't going the way we wanted to go. Where there's some stuff that goes down, and I'm up at two and three in the morning walking in the snow. First, cussing the snow because this is this is not what I'm used to. Second of all, cursing God because here I am at seminary, and it's the biggest op- opposition I've ever faced. And I go to my rooms. Pride that I wasn't turned into toast. I can approach him confident. And so for five years I approached him confident and begged and pleaded and celebrated and and complained. And I've continued that confident. Let my hands hang, speak freely, come out of the, come out of the costume. Today we're gonna Look at transformation. I'm going ask you, you know how I am. I'm going to ask you guys some questions because you guys think you get to sit here while I'm standing up here, y'all looking at me like this, and I'm not going to mess with you. you crazy. you crazy. Let me ask you this question. Now I want to see hands. How many of you have ever seen, and now I'm going to ask you two ways. How many of you have ever seen anybody physically change? They go from 320 pounds to 185, or they go from flabby to strong, or they go the other way from 300, from 220 pounds to 95 pounds. And you've seen them transform right in front of your eyes. Raise your hand. You've seen that happen. Okay. Okay. How many of you have you seen people change from the inside? go from some sort of character, problem, or issue, and when you see them, they don't talk or sound like the same person. Now, here's my question. How many will come up here and teach this for me about how that happened? How did that happen? <coughs> I'm standing at a conference. You guys, some of you heard this story. My back to another man. I can't see him. I turn around, and he's got a ponytail and tats from his wrist to his shoulder. Wrist to his shoulder. And when I look at the tats specifically, Randy, I do this. Why? Because the tats were swastikas and skinhead kind of tats. And I look at this man and he, he had his back to me. I'm thinking, this dude had his back to me. That, and then I turn around and he says to me, simply in a sweet voice, in a calmness about him. He says, Yep. There was a time in my life we wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been standing behind you with my back to you and your back to me. I said, What happened, man? He said, Things changed on the inside, and I figured out. Now, you, I don't even know if I'm going to get through this. I guess, he said, you've always been my brother, and I didn't know it. Now, had he not had the test, those won't make me cry. But he had the He had evidence of the costume he was wearing. What happened? I got another friend. I met him 20 years ago. When I first met him, we were sitting in a car. I was invited to a friend's house, and they want me to meet this cat. I meet him, and he's sitting in the car, and he says to me, he says to the friend, you bring him for. Dude, ain't nothing but a punk, man. What he said to me? He's large, about 6'5". African-American guy, 210 pounds, built built like Adonis. I decided, as crazy as I am, I want to start getting my hair cut, and I don't want to cut it no more. So I heard he cuts hair, so I start going over to cut his hair. And for a couple of years, he would, we would laugh and do this thing I call the black thing. We'd laugh about stuff that we grew up with. And we grew, It turns out we grew up in the same neighborhood. In, not in not not in the same city, but in the same neighborhood. And he and he was surprised. He would ask me every time about what I do for my living and blah blah blah. blah. And then he would tell me stories about fighting at the job. He got in a fight with this dude. He got in a fight with this dude and and uh, and, and and he had some other issues. He asked me one day. He said, Jay you going to tell me you don't want to, you don't, yeah. can I say it the way he said it to me? Okay. He said, you going to tell me you don't want to bust some white boy in the face? I said, no, nah, man. They're like, what, what is that going to do, dude? There ain't a whole bunch of us up here, first of all. And then second of all, they're already afraid of us, like, being mad like that. And I said, third of all, I'm a therapist, dude. I can't bust people in the face for saying stupid stuff. He said, How are you doing? I said, Faith, man. Faith. Right? If you meet this man now, same bill, same side, loves the Lord, leads Bible study, handles kids, doesn't curse, hasn't fought. Passionate about the gospel like like Paul. What happened? What happened? Let's take a look at it. In your worship folder, you're going to see, I'm going to say two things. First thing I'm going to look at is transformed lives result from choosing the right weapon, and using the right weapon. And then I'm going to say my my other idea is transform lies reflect becoming more gentle and becoming less judgmental. The first one I want to read some scripture. So we see that we're not able to enter because of their unbelief. We also had The gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, you show that you are the letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not written in ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. And he says later, he has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. Now, if we're going to transform, you have to use the right weapon. I grew up watching Saturday Night Live, and there was a part of Saturday Night Live where the image was I could stare in the mirror and say, I love you, dude, you're a good dude, you're a smart dude, and we love you. And and the guy changed, right? Nah, that ain't how it happens. None of us can look in the mirror and change ourselves. The other problem is none of us can work hard enough to make that change happen. None of us can be religious enough to get in the kingdom. I have to choose the right weapon. It just so happens that the right weapon is this new covenant. It's the difference between choosing stone tablets and the cross. Stone tablets or the cross. Stone tablets, you make the promise, you better keep it. The cross, God make the promises and he keeps them. You decide. What weapon are you going to use? I have to choose the right what? The problem is we're wired for stone tablets. We're wired for being promise makers. Notice I didn't say keepers. I don't say keepers. Cause from the beginning of my own faith, I've never believed. Even when I didn't know God, the grace, the gospel of grace, I didn't believe. Cause I know me, in promise keeping, I didn't believe in it. I know, my dude from from CU McCarthy led a lot of people, but my my fear was I'm gonna go to a Promise Keeper meeting in Colorado Springs in in Boulder, Colorado. That weekend and be cheering with the fellas, with the brothers in faith, and three weeks from now and we'll be thinking, what happened? I went to the meeting, we made the promise, and I can't keep it. I like to say it's the boogeyman or saint or something like that. I hate to tell you, the reason we can't keep promises is because we're not wired to keep promises. That's not our wiring. Our wiring is not unconditional love and commitment, and even Jesus modeled that in the Garden. He says, Lord, for real, like <laughs> you, I know I came down here to do this, but can, you send angels down, maybe could you? I, oh man, see, even in the, he 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 was tempted like we are." But because he understood the new covenant, because he was the new covenant, he didn't falter. His tension was there, but he said, you know what? The Father will get me through this. I know. We have to choose the right weapon. And that right, right weapon has to be utilized. We have to use the right weapon. For the right target. Now, everybody do me a favor. Just real quick. Find your navel with your index finger on your right hand. Find it. I, I'm watching you, so if you don't find it, I'm looking at you. I'm not moving until I see everybody doing this. And I'm, I'm right in front of you. I can see right here. Here we go. Find your navel. Now, look at it. Now, some of you is out here. You can look at it. But some of you is in here. You can't look at it. Okay? Okay? That's not the right target. That's not the right target. Look at your hands. That's not the right target. Look at your mind. I wish I wasn't thinking them thoughts. That's not the right target. The right target for the new covenant is right here. Put it right here. And I pledge allegiance to anything but Jesus this morning. Right here. The right target. You put the right weapon, aim it at the right target, we begin to change. Does that makes sense? Yeah. Amen. Amen? All right, all right. So I got to use the right weapon, aim it at the right target, okay? I got to use the right weapon, okay? The new covenant is based on, hear me out, God makes promises, then he keeps them. And we just remain. God makes promises, then He makes the promises come true. We remain. And God makes promises, and we continue to live in tension. We remain. We remain. We remain. And it's through the remaining, the faith of saying, you know what? I don't want to be here. I hate this place. I hate being here. I wish I could change that change occurred. I use the right weapon and the right target. I remain. I remain with that weapon. I don't trade it out. Now here's the tension. Maybe you don't have this tension. Maybe it's just me. I got the right weapon in my pocket right here. I, I'm using the right weapon. I understand the promises. They ain't working. Tell me they ain't working. Because It's still a mess. That's faith, right? I'm supposed to use the right weapon, aim it at the right target. Here's the the formula for faith. Use the right weapon, aim it it at the right target in the face of tension, in the face of opposing desire. Just because your life came on loose when you became a Christian doesn't mean you did the wrong thing. Just because you're facing cancer, as a couple of my friends are, doesn't mean they're doing the right thing. When When the disciples were asked by Jesus to meet me in Galilee, and they got in the boat. Were they in the will of God when they got in the boat? Okay. When the water started to swish around a little bit, did the will of God change? When the boat started to fill with water, did the will of God change Janet? It didn't. When the boat started to sink and they was using cups to to empty it out, were they in the will of God? Were they where they're supposed to be? I'm saying they were. Now, one time they got to see Jesus walk. They thought it was a ghost. He came out. Another time, he was sleep. No sleep. You sleeping, dude. You got to get up. The ship's going down, Jesus. The ship's going in. Oh, man. Come get me a little later, man. When we're going under, come get me, man. He's sleeping. The other time, he walks, And he invites Peter. Now, I identify with Peter. I'm getting out the boat, man. Yo, yo. You, Jesus? Yeah. Cool, man. Let's go. I steps out. Then I realize I'm on water. I start going to hear the reason, get me out of there. That's that's how we are. Cocky, arrogant, self-centered, judgmental, harsh. And Jesus says, I'm going to change you, but you're going to go through shipwreck. You're going to live in the belly of the well. You're going to go to the fire, Shadrach, Reshach, and the bad Negro.
1: What? What?
0: That's how I learned it. Is that the how it's written? Lyle, is that how it's written? Oh, that's how. I, I'm sorry, man. That's how I learned it. I got to choose the right weapon, aim it at the right target, then use it. Ezekiel tells us this. He gives us a clue as to what the new covenant is going to look like. And he gives us a clue on who does all the work in the new covenant. He says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and keep my law. Who does the work in the new covenant? Does he say, and you will, or he says I will? Who's I? God. He says I will. How many of you like me, I ain't even going to look. How many of you like me heard that Yesterday, or a couple months ago, but if I shine the camera on you on Monday, who's doing it? Who's doing it? And if if I'm not holding me accountable, I'm holding my wife or my kids or my husband accountable. You know how you're supposed to be. And I forget. God's changing me and he's changing my wife. He's changing my kids. He's changing, He's changing my employees. But I'm thinking on Tuesday, it's my job. And God also, the the thing that's not written there is he says, I will and don't get it twisted. Because when you think you can, that's when it's a mess. I mean, it's already a mess. But if I put Lyle in charge, oh, man. It's going to be really a mess, right? So he's saying, choose the right weapon. Aim it at the right thing, and then use the weapon. Now, I'm going to give you, I didn't write it down because I want you to write it down. Four promises. Four things that you can count on coming out of this passage. First thing, God is, write this down, God is with me. He's with me. That's a promise. In the face of the ugliest, in the face of the blessedness, he's with me second promise actually which should be the first god is in me okay when you said jesus come into my heart i commit my life to you which is you already lying right there because as soon as we say that we we realize we can't do it the way we thought we could but as soon as you say that god says you did what you're supposed to do now remain i'm in and i don't know if you have to blah, 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 or whatever you got to do that isn't true. All I know is the word says as soon as you say, God, hate, he's in. And he takes up residence in your heart. And he commences to begin the change process. First, he changes our capacity to see and understand what he knows about us. Secondly, he changes our capacity to go from punks to confidence. And when you take those two things and put them together, Character starts to change, and transformation isn't something that's so much a step as it is a process you go through the whole time in, on this side of the grave. Did you hear what I'm saying? Because I know I'm looking at Americans who think, "Well, I did that. I put the coin in. Let's go." And that ain't how that ain't how it works, man. Some of you have stuff you will struggle with all the way to the grave. It will never go away. And God will greet you and say, well done, my servant. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you will have ugly private struggles that will never go away. And when God greets you in heaven, he's going to say, well done, kid of mine. Come on in, dude. Why? Because it wasn't on your shoulders. It was on Jesus' shoulders. and He did it. Now, some of you may believe in that because it's hard to believe because we think God needs us to clean up. Amen. How how many of you here haven't ever thought that? I think God, Christianity means I should clean up. I'm waiting. Somebody says, hey, I ain't never thought that. That's not true. Right. Right weapon, right target. Understand the promise. Last two promises. God's ahead of me. I thought when I opened Stronghold that me and my wife were about to step out in territory that had never been carved out before. And I left the job and went to Stronghold. I bumped into an old lady at Central. 60, 70 years old. So what do you do? I said, I'll. I opened a Christian counseling practice that's oriented around grace. This lady looks me in the eye and says, me and a couple ladies been praying for 20 years that that would happen. Some ministry like that would happen. Did you hear what I'm saying? And God had been telling me the whole time. I kept saying, it's like, I don't want to do this because it's like stepping out on a limb. And I kept hearing in my soul, no, it's a bridge, dude. It's already been cared for, planned out, stepped out. No, no, no. But you don't understand. It's a limb to me. He said, no, it's a bridge. I talked to this lady. She confirmed it was a bridge. She said, Jay, there's been people praying for a ministry like yours for 20 years. There's a friend of mine that went to seminary named Bonnie. She's gone now. Her last name is Lou, little bitty lady, powerful lady in the Lord. I told her what I was going to do, and she said, she said, I've been praying that you do something that's grace-oriented. Now, here's because Bonnie's Bonnie. She said, I was hoping you was going to do a church. She said, you know you missed your calling. You're supposed to be a pastor. <laughs> I said, Bonnie, you've been saying that to me for like 10 years now. She said, I still think I'm Right. <laughs> Right, but she was happy about the counseling minutes good ahead and then the fourth promise good is guaranteed see when it's all said and done that issue you have that you're struggling with and been struggling with that anger you have that frustration that disappointment that you have either God's going to deal with it or he's gonna deal with it. He's either gonna deal with it now or he's gonna deal with it later. At some point you'll go, Where where'd it go? And it's gone. But some of us are going to have to wait till we get to walk. There was a lady named Barb here that went to our church for a while. And when I first met her, she was grumpy. Some of you laughing because you know her. She was grumpy and and pessimistic and she wasn't so sure about this Jesus stuff. And but she had this disease. And the disease turned her muscles like into concrete. And she could come sometimes and walk in, and other times she had to roll in. And when I first met her, most of the time she walked in, and you didn't really want to see her because she'd come complaining to you. And she came up to me. She said, I got the diagnosis. This disease is going to get bad. Would you walk with me? I'm like, so like walk with you through the treatments and stuff is going to get better. She said, no, it's not going to end like that. It's probably going to end with me in a fetal position, frozen, can't talk, can't move any limbs, can't do anything. Some of you know, Wanda's one of them, knows. I was hesitant. But I'm gonna turn that down. I'm an elder at the church. What am I supposed to do? And the way we eld is not not everybody's gonna be a minister to Bart. But there's four of us, or just six of us now, and we each have our own constituency. So I said, I'm in. I'm in. So there was a handful of ladies that we got together on Wednesdays and did Bible study. before she went down, she started to growing her faith. She started growing in her faith. Now, I went in to see her a week before she died. It was curled up. She could just barely blink at me. But when I walked in the room, that Barb that I had met that was crotchety and mean and whatever, who couldn't speak a word, she was gone. That lady was gone. Because when I went in the room, that curled up lady Represented a transformed creature of God, and those of us who knew her would verify for that. for me. In her curled-up state, she was more New Covenant, grace-oriented believing than you would ever, ever believe. She said to me when she could talk, "I just want just Christian music playing when I when my mouth goes away." And you could see she just started to yield to Jesus, yield, 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 yield. And and part of that was volunteer, and part of that was the tension of the disease that literally took her over. But that was a that was a Jesus lady when the woman she left. She she understood good. She said to me once before she start started to freeze up. She was in a wheelchair, couldn't get out the bed. She was already starting to lose her legs and her arms, and she, was, she could still talk to you and give orders. She was bossy, wasn't she? She was bossy. So she'd give orders. I came to see her, she says to me, and I came to see her after she had an incident, and she was almost she almost died. So I came to see her a couple months later. She was mad. <laughs> I said, "What was wrong? I should have died in December, she said. <laughs> I said, what? He should have took me. I should have let him take me. He told me I could go. I didn't want to go. I thought I had more to do she was mad because she had to stay, right? And then she realized she had some other stuff she had to do. Transform lives don't always look like we think they do, All right? All right, let's finish this up. So when you understand the weapon and the heart and the target, now a transformed life because of my encounter with Christ begins to reflect the gospel accurately. That's what Mike talks about. Mark talks about. I talk about. Right message, right reflection. Okay. The passage that I want to read to you is Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29. Jesus gives a self-description. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, right second Corinthians says, we who are." who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. When you meet a God, divine God who brings divine grace, a majestic God who says that he comes humbly and he comes gentle. What happened? What happened? Humble and gentle. Who is he calling? He says those who are weary and burdened. The, the Greek for weary implies exhausted. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you this week at some point in time was exhausted? You knew a like, oh, Dude, I really, I can't go no more. That exhausted. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. I've used up all my resources. i got lint in my pocket. That's it. I... Burden. Burden is this notion of carrying something that's beyond my capacity to carry. Beyond my capacity to carry. A burden is something I need help with that I'm dragging along. On my own. Because I don't know how to say, will you, will you, can you, I need, it. some of you laugh because you know, you can't say it either. Can you give me a little, <clears> I can't say help. Jesus says, if you're weary and you're burdened, come to him. And he says, and I will make you heavy and beat you up. Is that what it says? Nah, it says, Come find rest, for yourself. Oh. For I'm humble and gentle. Humble and gentle to me then leads to less judgmental. See, if I know what the target the, the weapon is, and I know the target's aimed at my heart, and I know God knows my heart, but he responds to my heart in a gentle and humble way, and I feel less judged. It keep your lives from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And never in Greek means never. Never leave you or forsake you. Never leave you or forsake you. Meaning, what are you going to show them? What can ruin the love of God? Romans says, no thing can ruin the love of God. Not life, not death, not cursing, not issues, not failed issues, not addiction. No thing can ruin the love of God. He stays with me. And if he stays with me, I experience his gentleness. If I experience his gentleness, he's gentle instead of harsh. I start to breathe. And when I can breathe, Instead of judging and sorting and categorizing my behavior, I I speak freely and say, Lord, you see what I just did? Can you help me with that? And he doesn't look with judgmental eyes. He looks with loving and compassionate eyes. Now, what happens then is that when I look at myself, I I become more gentle with myself and I become less judgmental with myself. And then the other thing that happens is transformation breeds me to be, brings me to be gentle with my wife, or my daughter, or my three daughters, and less judgmental. I didn't say not judgmental, because we go back and forth, but we grow less judgmental. Transformation. Two big ideas: transform lives, result in choosing the right weapon. Using the right weapon, transform lives, reflect, becoming more gentle, less judgmental. Worship team, come forward, please. Dear Father, on Wednesday, Thursday, on Tuesday, help us to remember who does the job of transforming. Help us to remember to choose the right weapon to really embrace and understand your new covenant. Help us to understand that you're in the business of changing hearts. That's the right target. Help us to remember your promises, that you're in us, that you're with us, that good is ahead of us and that good is guaranteed. And help us to reflect to the people we love most, your gentleness, and help us to be less judgmental. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Free to go.